0: Next, we get, I get to uh, call up Susan, who's going to share tonight. And um, Susan, I just ask that. Listen, I'm just going to pray. Jesus, will you um, tenderize and soften our hearts even now before Susan comes up? And I just thank you for who she is and um, who you are through her, Jesus, and the intimacy that she's developed and experienced with you over the years. And I thank you that we get to benefit from that. So, Father, we ask that you would bless Susan and uh, (laughs) that your presence would continue to be in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so welcome Susan. I don't have Russ to call to help me tonight. <laughs> Actually, is there anybody else out there that's sick tonight? It's really been going around. Anybody else? Anybody else? Put your hand up, because it has been so going. Perfect. Yeah, okay. Let's all just extend hands to any- anybody. sick? Come on, get your hand up. Yeah. Jesus, we just say this virus that's going around is illegal. We ask you to right now come. Come, wash through them and cleanse them completely of any toxins, whoa, any fever, any achiness, Jesus. Would you strengthen immune systems, put everything back into balance? In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Stop the cough, stop the congestion. Ooh! hey, we pray perfect divine health in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Whoa, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, yes. Let me get this going. Okay. Sorry, we don't have a little thing up here to read, so so I don't have to spend my whole time staring back there. I want to have something here to be able to talk to you. Actually, I want to share, <laughs> I want to share something. Have any of you ever ha- has something happen so unexpected? You're like deer in the headlights? Like you were so shocked and like you don't know what to think. I think last night I had like number three in my life. <laughs> Number one, I was up at Bethel, and Larry Randolph says to the crowd, it's a huge crowd, 2,000 people, Susan, Susan, I had a dream for you last night, and I'm just sitting there going, that's not me. That is not me, and all my friends are pounding on me, that's you, Susan, that's you, and I stand up, he's like, yes, you. Okay, that was number one. Number two was when I got, I, me, moi, got accepted to, like, the top PA program in the country. That was so God. It, it couldn't have happened on my own merits. Well, last night, I am minding my own business, okay? My own business, right? I'm trying to prepare for tonight, so I'm calling up Marilyn. I'm calling up Marilyn. Because I'm gonna ask her if she's ready to you know if she's planning on sharing her testimony. And I can see that most of you were not at the meeting last night that Marilyn was at, so this is very cool. And so a man answers the phone. Now that's really weird, because I know it's Marilyn's phone number, because I can see her phone number on my cell phone. I'm like, this is really weird. And he he sounds like Bobby Connor. That is really weird. And you know the first thought that went through my mind? This is, this is where it gets really weird. and I'm going to let you into how my mind works. My first thought is, I wonder if Marilyn is hanging out with Josiah Lout, because he knows how to do voices. <laughs> <laughs> and then it dawns on me, he really sounds like Bobby Connor. And I've seen him do that thing before where he grabs somebody's phone from the audience and he starts talking to them. And I realized about halfway through the conversation or so, this is Bobby Connor talking to me right now. (laughs) I'm trying to listen in the background like, is is anybody laughing? Are they all hearing what's going on right now? and I am like trying to hold it together like I'm starting to crack up so bad and he shares the scripture with me which is so sweet and he says now hun, would you like to come to our meet and rot now and I'm like well I'm like no sorry I can't <laughs> anyway it was so I was just I have to say I was laughing for an hour later I'm like I could not stop laughing like I cannot believe that happened I don't I see that happen to other people but Mm. (laughs) that would never happen something like that never happened to me so I (laughs) you know how sometimes weird things happen you're going was there anything prophetic about that God and I actually felt like whoa it wasn't just about me I think whoa God is getting some of you out there ready for something very unexpected to happen that you could not in a million years make happen, okay? You can't make it happen. I couldn't make any of these things happen in my life, all right? It was a God setup. It was, it was coincidence at one level, but it was a God setup on another level. So I just want to pray and release right now, God, that you would make our hearts ready and open, and available for those those things you want to release into our life that you are setting up for us right now, God, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are yielded. Because we could miss it. We can we could not see it. We could be so in our own little world. But I just feel like God is getting ready to do some things in our lives. Unexpected and just I just Lord prepare us to receive your blessings. Prepare us, God, to see what you're doing and see it with heaven's eyes. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, God. Yay, yeah, God. Yay, yeah, God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Who? Yeah. Oh, it worked! Woohoo! Okay, um, so yeah, so I think it was. Uh, I think Todd might have known a little bit of the theme, but I d- I don't think Sierra did. And every song tonight was like, oh, that's totally what we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> and I feel a little like when when Blaine Cook. How many of you went to the conference with Blaine Cook a couple weeks back? I I kind of every time he said, I am the most un- unlikely. I'm like. In so many ways, I look at my life now, and I'm like, I am so the most unlikely <laughs> to be able to, to to walking in some of the grace and the blessings I'm walking in right now. And he kept saying that I'm like, I can relate to how you feel, and I'm for me to talk about the beloved is a little bit of a stretch for me. If you look at my life, just because I. Uh, was not like raised in that kind of environment where there was much tenderness or compassion. That was very much a foreign concept. Um, But we are all in our own way kind of unlikely ones for God to be pouring out such love and such kindness upon us, aren't we? What he wants to give us, none of us deserve. But yet he does. He does. It's what he does. It's what he continues to do. We're the ones who don't know how to receive it. It's just, yeah. Yeah too good, too unlikely for us to comprehend. But I just want to pray right now, God, for all of us, for every single one of us, Jesus, and me too, God. Open our hearts more to receive what you have. Open our hearts more to trust that your goodness is exactly what you say it is goodness beyond compare, goodness beyond what we can ask or imagine, love that wants to lavish upon us your presence, your nearness, your kindness. And we need it, God. We need it desperately, Lord. I ask, Lord, you tenderize our hearts. <laughs> ooh And just reveal anything um, that would be really good to let go of tonight. Anything that might in any way be hindering what's so much better in you. Yeah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I will tell you a little bit of my story. Whoa, to get started. Um, So yeah, I was raised in a family where... I think the best description would be sur- kind of survival. Just um my parents were raised in the um depression, so they had hard lives and that was just, you know, you didn't you didn't lo- you didn't you weren't affectionate, you weren't gentle, you just were you get stuff done and you focus on what needs to happen. So hearts weren't really given much attention, you know, tenderness was not given much attention. At all, there was, you know, if you're ever hurting or, or needing anything, you just got to take care of yourself. So I'm sure some of you can relate to that kind of a, a family upbringing. So I had a pretty, I had a hard, hard, hard heart. And um, as many of you know, I do a lot of inner healing ministry, which is another, wow, an, who would think that would be where I would end up because I had such a hard heart. Let me tell you. And I did not go through years and years and years of counseling because I didn't believe it would help me. Yeah. That's how hard my heart was. <laughs> I was so depressed. I did, never thought. So it was a lot of my healing happened on the floor, soaking and just being in God's presence. Um, and it's still taking place, isn't it? Um Sometimes we get one specific memory locked in our brain. And we're not always sure why is that memory locked in our brain growing up. Because sometimes it feels like such a non-issue, right? Like such an unimportant of all the possible things, events in my life. Why is that the memory I always get stuck on? And for me, I'll share, I'll share that memory for you. Me, and, the, and the reason is... It isn't that memory. It's the culminating events of hoping and longing and yearning leading up to that memory where you kept your heart open and you kept hoping and you kept dreaming that maybe somebody will meet you, maybe somebody will say something kind. And then finally at that memory, you sort of slam the door on your, sh- on your heart. And so for me, that memory was being on my dad's boat, and he was a commercial tuna fisherman. We lived down in San Diego. He would go out on the boat for three months at a time, you know, on this boat. And when he came home to port, we'd go down and visit him. So this particular time, we were out on the boat. I guess we were taking the boat from one dock to another for some reason. And I just remember sitting in his in the doorway of his cabin, Drink at a Coke in one hand. I can still remember holding the Coke in one hand. I don't know how old I was, maybe seven or eight. And I am so seasick. I had to be green. I just was so seasick. I'm just sitting there going, Mama, Mom. I mean, I just can remember this. It was just like, oh. And my mom comes by and, you know, she just, I don't know, said something like, what are you drinking that Coke for? That's what's making you sick. You know, just she didn't know. She didn't know how to connect. She just didn't know how. I'm sure that never happened for her, and she didn't know how to do that for me. And something in my heart phew, shut down that day and stayed shut down for many, many, many years. And even getting married to Russ and, um, and his family, which was this amazing, loving family, his dad was like this great guy, so fun, so affectionate, but I could only receive so much from him because I just didn't know how. I just, I just, that little, that thing was missing in me. I just couldn't. Um, I wanted to, kind of, sort of, but I just didn't know how. Um, I was pretty depressed, pretty lonely on the inside. I felt very unworthy on the inside. Now, on the outside looked okay. I could function, you know. I was a mom. I had three kids. I could work a job for the most part. I looked very together. I just, you know, had that empty place inside that I just had no idea what to do with it. And again, like I said, I I didn't even think therapy would help me. It just, oh, I don't think that would do me any good at all. So I just I tried that very little. I don't know how many of you were around during the renewal days. Something started changing for me. So back in the 94, 95, um, I had become a Christian, I think, later on in college. But because my heart was so so hard, it was sort of like I asked Jesus in, and I asked him into the entryway, right? (laughs) That was about as far as I let him in, because I didn't know how to open up any farther than that. So, so I kind of called myself a Christian, but I felt so much shame and so much guilt. I did not have much of a connection with him at all. But then renewal came. And it was a season of time where, um, and I had been in an evangelical church, and God, in his amazing, surprising ways, had moved me to a spirit-filled church. In fact, I moved me across the country... And I am here at a spirit, spirit-filled church, and I'm starting to experience and see people getting touched by God. So there was a slow healing process taking place with me. Just took took years and years and years of just feeling his love, feeling him kiss us, slowly just getting revelation and understanding. And it was a very, very slow process of experiencing him. But it was amazing. It was like what I've always wanted. But still, there were still some little outposts in my heart that still didn't know quite how to open up yet. I think part of that process um, we see here in in Psalm 42, to me, speaks a lot of the process we undergo as we allow God to start tenderizing and softening our hearts. Psalm 42, 6. This is, most of these scriptures are from the Passion version, which is amazing. It just, it's such a heart a translation that's about the heart and about connection with God. So here I am, depressed and downcast, yet I will still remember you when I ponder the place where your glory streams down from the mighty mountaintops. Lofty and majestic, the mountains of your awesome presence. Ha! When we're struggling, when we're not feeling it, it changes him not. It changes how he feels about you, not one little bit. Now we're expecting him to change, aren't we? Because people do. When we're in a bad attitude, when we're angry, or whatever. People around us sometimes have changed. And we sometimes project that onto God. But in our worst moments, he's streaming his glory down from the mountains onto you. In your best moments, he is streaming his glory down his mount- from his mountains to you. Yeah, that's who he is. He's faithful. He changes not. He can do nothing but smile upon your life always in everything and at all times it's just what he does it's who he is that's why we can trust him with everything in our heart unlike you know you know people we lo- we need people we love people but we're all just people all doing our best aren't we but this one <laughs> this Jesus he's everything we all hope him to be yeah he is he wants to be there at every hurting place at every hard place in your heart he wants that he wants to be present with you and he wants to be present with you with a patience and an understanding that's really hard to comprehend My deep needs call out to the deep kindness of your love. Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. How many of you, we sang tonight, right, about his rivers of streams, his waterfalls. Whoa. How many of you have been in that place where you're just feeling him carrying you and whoo? huh, yeah, like, huh. yeah. <laughs> like right now, yes. <laughs> he just wants to meet us. He just wants to wash over us. He knows how desperately we need him, more than we know most of the time. Well, a lot of times, I'm the queen of Miss Self, self-sufficiency here. <laughs> it's been such a process for me to, to learn, to depend on him, to learn to trust him. But he's so right there, ready, waiting. He'll let me pour it out on you again. Those unexpected moments, he'll be right there. Our deep calling out to his deep. You know, to the degree we open up our heart to him, he will be opening up his heart to you. Yeah. The full access you give to him, he will give you more ever-increasing access into his heart. It's just kind of how that works. It's not that he's holding out on us. It's just that he's like, I'm sorry, you just don't have the capacity if you don't open up a little more to hold what I want to lavish upon you. We don't. But there's always more. Ha, 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 And... Yet all the day long, God's promises of love pour over us. Through the night, I sing his songs, for my prayer to God has become my life. I met this um, woman a couple years ago at a wedding, and she told us this This, to me, was an astounding story. And it was an astounding story because just standing there in her presence, you could just feel the glory flowing off of her. And I'm like, Lord, what is it about this woman? (laughs) She's amazing. And she told me her story. Her story was, I think a couple years earlier, she had been in a very, very severe car accident. Traumatic brain injury, extremely traumatic brain injury. She was not able to do anything but lay in bed or lay in the hospital bed. Um, and I think she said they told her she had 50%, 60% of her brain left. That was it. They weren't sure she was ever going to be able to do anything again. And she said, just laying there, it even hurt to think. You know, she'd try and put one thought in front, and she couldn't She couldn't remember scripture. She couldn't read. She said, all I could do was lay there to G- and say to Jesus, help. That's all I could do. Help. She did that for months and months and months, but there was something so carved into her life because she knew that she knew that she knew how to go to him for help. It was amazing. It was just just astounding to be in that. Like, wow! I know I'm not in that place. I, I have never, you know, been in that place to really understand that. But just that awareness of how we can be as helpless as a baby. And in some ways we really are. We just don't realize it. We just don't realize. We think we're kind of do all these things that seem to matter, and ah, but in so many ways to just go, ha, huh, help Jesus. Help Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Be here for me, Jesus. I can't do this on my own. I can't think enough thoughts. <laughs> I can't figure this out on my own. Whoa, hey, hey hey, hey, I can't. <laughs> you know, it's like, gosh, what would our lives look like if we brought him into everything at that kind of level? What would our lives look like? Ooh. Ah. Thankfully, we don't have to go through what this woman went through. But I think he can give us that revelation of how beautiful and amazing it would be to be able to team up with him in everything just like that. I think he can give that to us. I think he can. Whoa, hey. (laughs) We just got to get hungry enough for it, don't we? And aware enough of, everything goes so much better when I bring him into it. So this is a picture. Oops, I guess it, I think I went past where I wanted to go. There it is. That tree right there. You see this? Let's see. Oops. That didn't want to do that. I guess I don't have a pointer. Is this a pointer? Oh, there's a pointer. There it is. See down there. <laughs> I want to show you this picture because this is a fruit tree, and I'm sure um, the Lapazinski's and Todd know about this. This is a fruit tree, and you see down there how it's a different colored trunk. That's what a lot of fruit trees are actually. The top part is one kind of tree, and the bottom part where the roots are is a different kind of tree. This is called a grafted tree, and it's super common. Guess why? You want the beautiful fruit, but you want super, super strong roots. So they graft that tree into a different set of roots because those roots will help that tree bear better fruit because they're super strong and they bring in more nutrients and more water. Whew. Better, stronger tree. Yeah, does this sound like something from the scriptures? <laughs> yeah, that's what he wants us, how he wants us to live our lives. We don't have to feel like we, everything comes out of us, out of our own source. We don't have to be our own source of anything. He's like, I want to be your source for Everything. Jesus um, was talking to his disciples about this before he left them. In fact, you know, John, I love John, was it John 14, 15, 16, 17, some of my favorite parts of scripture because it's him giving them instructions. It's like, guys, this is what it's going to be like when I leave, and it's going to be better than you can even begin to imagine because Holy Spirit's going to come back and help you to do all this stuff. I know you can't see it right now. <laughs> but it's going to be so good. And again, this is from John 15. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. His promise to us is we are engrafted. We say yes, we're engrafted into him it's what happens we become one it's mystical it's hard to understand hard to comprehend I mean look at the marriages around (laughs) from Russ and I first half of our marriage didn't look so good was not there was not much of a union there at all (laughs) it took us a lot of years to get to the place where it's like oh starting to feel like that one flesh thing now okay we're starting to get that we're all da- letting some things die inside that needed to die, but it took us a, ooh, a lot of years. Whew. But the minute we say yes to him, we get it. We get it all. We get that total flow of the river of life coming from him through us. It's just like that. It's just so hard <laughs> to believe how good it could be. It's so hard to imagine, but it's ours. And I love this part. John 15, 11. And you know why I'm telling you these things, Jesus says? It's so that the joy that I have experienced will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. He's like, I want you to get this so bad. I want you to get this, we're one thing. Ha, you're never alone. You're never left to your own resources. You never have to figure it out on your own. I never leave you. I never turn away. I never stop smiling on your face. Everything, 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 everything your heart's desire that brings life is yours. Everything, everything. Whoa. So. Who? And it brings him joy, even if we just get incremental glip, glimpses and understanding. I love this picture. I have walked through a lot of mountain meadows. It's like my favorite all-time thing to do is, is mountains and streams. And oh, I just love it, love it, love it. But to him, like, like Karina was sharing about the garden earlier, you're like that for him. You're like that beautiful mountain meadow that he wants to walk through. And he wants to taste those, that joy that you have. And you get those little glimpses of his goodness. It gives him such joy. He wants you to taste what he's tasting. And the joy he gets in your life. Things that we think, what's the big deal? That wasn't a big deal. He's like, it was a big deal to him. Was a big deal to him. Those little things are big deals to him. <laughs> I have two granddaughters. Okay, the little things are big deals to me. They will never remember those little moments, those little sweet moments <laughs> that touch, move my heart so much. But we're like that to him. We're like that to him. But it's like it's, it's just like. Mm, not how the, that's not how the world thinks. I guess that's the problem, isn't it? So often, so much of my mind is thinking like the world thinks, wants to measure things, wants to compare things, wants to see what the outcome, and he's all about. It's, it's just kind of being with you. It's just kind of hanging out with you. <laughs> it's like catching a glimpse of your joy with you. And in Song of Solomon 2, he takes us to a place of really trying to communicate his deep affection, his deep adoration. Um... Song of Solomon 2 is a real place. It's a real place we go to, you guys. The whole of Song of Solomon is a place you can go to in the spirit with the Lord. Whoa! And may we all have eyes to see and ears to hear it, God. To walk with you in those places. To sup with you. To enjoy you face to face. It says, he brings us, he brings us to his banqueting table. And his banner over us is love. Now we looked up in the concordance what that banner thing is all about. And in this particular concordance, um, it talked about making his love so blatantly conspicuous. Who could miss it? His banner over you. He proclaims to the world. He shouts to the stars. I love you. 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 I want you to, I so want you to know this. I so want you to know this. I want to bring you to this banqueting table. I want to feed you full. I want to give you good things. I want you to understand how deep my heart is for you. Revive me with your goblet of wine. Refresh me again with your sweet promises. Help me and hold me, for I am love sick. I am longing for more, yet how could I take more? How could I take more? I am love sick and love sick is like being weak with love getting to the place of realizing <laughs> the things I can think and do compared with his love compared with knowing he loves me don't don't ma- don't measure very much do they when you start getting that revelation little by little by little by little how much he loves us. It sort of allows the things of the world to sort of fade away a little bit. The little things aren't nearly so worrisome anymore. Those little foxes. (laughs) This like the the Shulavite talks about the little foxes are distracting me, the little distractions the little minor details of our life, the bills, the da da, da 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 that can so rip us off and so distract us and so seem central to our whole life. Love-sick meaning, <sighs> I am weak with love. I'm dependent on you in every way. I'm dependent on your love to keep putting one foot in front of me, my life because I know that being with you is my my source of strength and my source of inspiration, and it's what makes all the difference in my life. Trying to do it on my own, I can be strong in and of my own self, but my strength is really weakness, and my weakness is really strength. There's such mysteries in the scriptures, aren't they? They just don't make any logical sense until you start understanding them with your spirit, and then it starts to make a little sense. That's one of those that was all, I all using my left brain logic, what, what, what's this thing about when I am strong, I am weak, when I'm weak, I'm strong. What the heck is that all about? Well, it means, I think, when our soul is strong, we're sort of weak in the ways of the Lord. And when our soul is weak in others, our soul knows that it's it's need to be dependent and childlike then we are actually strong in the spirit in the ways of the spirit because then we really are have perspective of oh i'm doing it with him eternal perspective that kind of changes how i see everything yeah and i'm still getting there i'm still got woof but i can see incrementally my heart is starting to it's starting to get easier and easier for my heart to soften and i i it used to be i had no idea how hard my heart was let me tell you i had no idea it felt so normal just to wall off and not let anybody in that just really felt normal and over time allowing the lord to soften my heart um recognizing ways especially i think more most recently a breakthrough had to do with, I had not realized how almost suspicious I was of people. Like I did not realize how much suspicion I was carrying, you know, and, and judgmentalism. It was what I was raised with. It seemed normal, right? We're raised with these things. It just seems like the way it is. But when I got that revelation, it was like, oh, I think I'd like to let this thing go. And I, re- I, I realized I got a breakthrough. Like, oh, is that how come it took me so long to get that breakthrough? But, you know, sometimes we try real hard to get our breakthrough. And, and, you know, most of the time it's just it, it's something God's doing from the inside out. All we can do is sort of yield to him and let it happen the best we can. And I don't know how much we can do to speed it up other than, okay, help me yield, God. <laughs> help me surrender, God. <laughs> Give me some truth. Give me some revelation. Help me taste your love a little more, God. How can I take more? And I've been realizing, you know, if I ever get to the place that I feel like I have enough, uh-oh. <laughs> it's time to recognize, aha, Jesus, will you do something with this heart and would you open me up wider? Because I know There is more. You are the God of the universe. You are the God who loved us so much. Before anything was created, you created it all with us in mind. This is love I can't even begin to start to comprehend. It's so not just bigger than human love. It is completely beyond human love because there's, there is. This is that unconditional love. Unconditional love. He puts no conditions on loving anything. We do it all the time. I do all the time with huma- as a human being. It seems like some people are more worthy of my love than others. God does not see it like that. Everybody is worthy of his love. Everyone is completely 100% worthy of 100% of his love. Love. Because you didn't create yourself. You weren't your own idea. (laughs) He chose you. He chose you before you could even begin to choose him or think about him or imagine anything about him. He chose you. (laughs) He chose you to be exactly who you are and he is pleased with exactly who you are. Yeah. He even knows our weaknesses. and He's like, that's part of what I love about you because that kind of is part of what makes you so dependent on me. We freak out about those little things. We freak out about being really weird on the phone with Bobby Connor last night. Oh, yeah, afterwards I'm like, oh, there's so many things I could have (laughs) said. I could have asked him to ask Marilyn, hey, would you ask Marilyn if she's going to do her testimony tomorrow night? Yeah, close your eyes for just a minute, guys. Close your eyes for just a little minute here. Think about a part of your heart that you have perhaps the hardest time feeling good about. Or you're, you're just, you're maybe your biggest struggle in life. And think for one little minute here. What would your life look like? If you knew that you knew that you knew, God felt just as good about that part of your life as any other part. You feel a little more, you, know, you feel it's a little more acceptable. What if he adores Gucci 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 Goochie Gucci, 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 cool. go, that little part. What if he adores that little part? <laughs> Just as much. <laughs> Just as much. <laughs> what would your life look like? Because he loves us so much, everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. He sees you already as one with Christ. Yeah, you're already one with him. And there's nothing you can do about that. You're already one. He sees you as one. You are as one. And he lavishes upon you everything heaven contains. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But you're his. It's what the ones who belong to him, just get it. Just get it. That's it. Yeah, it can never be any it can never have anything to do with what we deserved. Jesus took care of that. He settled that. He absolutely settled that for all of us. When I married Russ like Like many women, this is somewhat the tradition in our, in our culture. I took his name as my last name, which meant I went from a Wilson that everybody could pronounce to a folklore that everybody mispronounced. <laughs> but it was sort of the tradition. Um, and you know, that's what happens. When we marry, when we become one, we take the name. He gives us his name. He gives us his name, the fullness of who he is he has given to us. So when you get married, it's like you were your own independent person doing your own thing, right? making your own decisions, doing whatever you want with your money, with your car, with your time. You make decisions about what job you're going to do, where you know, whatever, your movie you're going to go to. When you get married, things start shifting. And I just remember there was a lot of, it's no longer about me, it's supposed to be about us now. <laughs> Which took me a long time, that was a, hard. But it was, some things were easy and some things were hard. You know, suddenly it's our bank account. It's our vehicle. It's our time. Ooh, we have to negotiate how to use our time. And we said yes to Jesus. It becomes us. It becomes an us. I think there's a, there's a Christian, there's one of the uh worship songs it says it's all about you Jesus and of course the secular world is all about it's all about me but i really think the kingdom is it's all about us everything he is doing on earth is 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 culminating in this thing called the bridegroom coming for his bride and making her ready becoming us Becoming together. And he wants us to get that now on this side. Now, I I don't know. This is just a pet theory of mine. But I think that if he just had to get us to heaven, you know, like it was all about just getting into heaven, I don't think Jesus would have had to come to earth and do things quite the way he did for 33 years. I really don't. I'm not sure it had to be done that way. You know, he could have done it any way he wanted to uh, make a way for us to get into heaven. But I think he did it that way so that right now here we get to start experiencing what it is to be us with him. Us part of his kingdom with him doing it together. So he came and he lived here as us. So he can now do it all together for the rest of our lives until we're there forever with him. I think this is my last slide, and um, I asked Todd if he'd do one, one song in closing, but, um, so we'll do that in a minute. So in the Old Testament, any time you see the Lord talk about his glory, it's almost always associated with his name. And in this scripture, Isaiah 42, the context is all about the father speaking to his son Jesus, saying, Jesus, I gave you as a covenant to the people. I, gave, I give you to them. You belong to them. I give you to them. To heal them, to care for them. And it's interesting. He goes on to say, But I will not give my glory to another. I am the Lord. That is my name. I'm not going to give this glory to another. But the another, the another, is those who don't follow the Lord. Those who are not his. We are his. We are the beloved. We do belong to him. We can put a pole on him to say, "God, give me your name, give me that awareness of your glory, that goodness and the fullness and the holiness and the love and the kindness and everything that is you. I want it all ha huh. there's been a song that's been just reverberating in my in my spirit. for for several months that's really had a big impact on me. And I'm just going to, this is a Kevin Prosh song, I'm just going to say a few verses from it. Um, It goes like this. We plant Mm. our lives in the soil of his love. And like that grafted tree, we watch them grow and bloom. We are aching, we are longing to see him face to face, to behold the stain of love, our groom, the stain of love. His blood poured out. He did everything. He said, I will do whatever it takes to be able to live their life with them. I will do whatever it takes. And Lord, you had you'd said in this scripture, you will never share your glory with another. But we say we are not another. We're yours. We are your beloved. And you have promised in some mystical, mysterious way that all that heaven holds is ours because we belong to you. We are yours. We are the beloved. Thank you, Jesus. So help our hearts open and soften Thank you, Jesus.
1: Yes, my beloved, and He's the. If you friend. want to come
0: forward, or just kneel, or wherever you want, Ten go ahead. Thousand. Let Him just touch you.
1: Yes, He is home mighty. Yes, my beloved, he's the fairest of ten thousand. Yes, he's holy. He to the
0: so it's time for um, parents to get the children Um, and I don't know if we have some prayer teams that could come forward but if you would like to receive prayer um, and the prayer teams could come up yeah and get more yeah because he has so much more for you so much more for you every single one of you. There's so much more. Yeah.